Welcome to the Coming Out of the Dark Bible Study with Pastor John. Tonight's study will be in the book of Deuteronomy. We invite you to join us at 514 Smithfield Avenue in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day.
big fit. That was beautiful. As always, right? Singing to the Lord is always a beautiful thing, right? Sing songs in our hearts. How's everybody doing tonight, okay? It's good to see everybody. I know I'm glad I'm here. As uh, we try to move forward with the ministry, we are going to get attacked. We have to realize that and be prepared for that. Amen? Fail to prepare, prepare to fail. All right, we are going to go to Colossians chapter 2. We're going to begin, is that 2? Yeah, Colossians chapter 2. I'm going to start in verse 6, but we're going to move forward a little bit further than that. As always, the Holy Spirit is going to be taken over now as the Word of God goes forward. So please be attentive to that and try not to cause any distractions that will try to get the Spirit from our thought process. Amen? Okay. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. I love Colossians. I'm going to be going into this book very soon. Very soon. <laughs> All right, verse 6. And now, right now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow Him. It's not even you, you might or you should. It says in the Bible you must continue to follow him and what does that mean you follow him by what reading and studying his word fellowshipping with other believers and assembling in the church amen that's how we continue to follow him then it says let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him which is the rock which is the word of god can i get any men for this this is the whole thing our lives are built off the word of god not the world anymore and that's why we have to stay in it. As soon as we shut the Bible, we're in trouble. The world just comes right back into our minds again. And we start living that way by default. It's not natural for us to go into the Bible. That's why it's a supernatural thing for us to study. Does anybody have trouble going in there sometimes? You, you sense that pull. Like, ah, oh, you know. Eh. But you pry it open anyway because you know. The flesh against the spirit. You don't want the flesh to win, so you've got to pull it open. Right? Listen, it says... Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Why? Because then your faith will grow strong. See, our faith gets stronger as we read and study the Bible. And truth that you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness as you get the full understanding of what really took place at the cross. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from spiritual powers or spiritual principles of this world rather than from Christ. You'll see a lot of things going on out in the world today and people are very eloquent in the way they talk and they sound very um, solid and significant and they sound like they're really mature people because they're eloquent in their speech. But that doesn't mean they're teaching truth. Just because they sound good and they look good and they have a big assembly. That has nothing to do with it. Because it comes from Christ. The Christ is the word. Now look at verse 9. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. Or in him dwells all the completeness of the Godhead bodily. If you would want to know how God would be down here, we'd look to who? Jesus and the way he lived his life. That's how God will live his life down here on earth among his people. And that's how God wants us to live among his people. Amen? Yeah. 
Same thing. That's why we're growing in grace and knowledge. So you are also complete through your union with Christ. See, here's the thing. In verse 10 it says you're also complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. So he's saying you're already complete. Everything that you already need to be the way God wants you to be has already been done. It's already in you. All it has to do is be developed now. It's already there. The seed is planted. Everything you need to live a godly life has already taken place and it's already planted inside you. Can I get an amen for this? Amen. It has nothing to do with how you feel. Nothing. It's the truth of God's word. Now look what it says. When you came to Christ or when you believed in Christ, you were circumcised. But not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision. And what was that circumcision? The cutting away of your sinful nature. Now, any kind of surgery is painful, right? The cutting away of our sinful nature is a very painful process. The sanctification process. We're very prideful. We're very egotistical. We always want to get our way. We want to try to prove our point all the time. That has to get crucified for Christ to be shown in any of us. Amen? That has to go, and it's painful, because we always want to prove our point, we always want to get our way, and we always think we're right, and everybody else is wrong, and we try to prove that we're right, and we try to make people into our image instead of the image of Christ. Can I get any amen for this? It has to get cut away, or the cutting away of the body of the flesh. Now look at 12, verse 12, for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. That means you were died, and with him you were raised to new life. Why were you raised to new life? Why are you born? Because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You will never experience the new life in Christ unless you trust what the Word is telling you. You get it? That You have to trust it. It's not an emotion or a feeling. It goes way beyond that. You have to trust it. You trust the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. Now look at verse 13. How were you dead? You were dead because of your sins. And because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. So that's saying we were spiritually dead. Our sinful nature disconnects us from God. That cut, it, was, that we, it, was, it was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all your sins. This is the problem. We forget that all of our sins have been forgiven, and we no longer have to commit them anymore. We forget that. Remember it says it in Second Peter? Forgetting that you've been cleansed of your old sins. Now look what it says. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Every offense you made went to the cross. Now, the devil does not want you to believe that. The devil says, no, they weren't. Look at the way you're acting. You should feel ashamed of yourself. You shouldn't even come to church tonight the way you acted today. How many of us get that emotion? That's not true. It says he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Past, present, future, everything we did wrong or continue to do has been dealt with already. Yet, what does the devil do? He puts condemnation on us again and again and again. And what does that do? It steals our joy and our testimony in the Lord. Because we're believing a lie again. We're believing what we think and what we feel instead of what we believe that took place. He's no longer holding that against us. We should no longer hold it against us either when we fail, and especially against our brothers and sisters when they fail. But we still do. We are great scorekeepers. The flesh is so bad. It keeps score even after salvation. And God says, wait a minute. I'm not keeping score no more. You can't, you can't keep score either, or else you're going to be miserable the rest of your life. 
you have to what? Forgive. Not only forgive and What's the, what's the saying? Forgive and forget. It's not saying I forgive you, but I'm not going to forget. Well, then you haven't forgiven them. Because as soon as a problem comes, you're going to bring it up again. Yep, yep, yep. No, you have to, like it never happened. You wake up in the morning, holy amnesia. I don't know what happened yesterday. Anything that I remember was good. That's it. Any bad is gone. That's how we have to think. That's God's way of making us right. Amen? Now, what's the problem? What's getting in the way? So you can say to yourself, I've been coming to Bible study and I read the Bible. Why am I still doing it? Because you still are not into a full understanding of salvation yet. Just because you read the Bible doesn't change you. It's understanding it first. First you have to understand it. And then you have to what? Become a believer. And then you have to apply it when the devil attacks you. Not just in church. When you get in the car and you start spatting with your husband, you're going to know right then and there, here's the devil again. Shut up. Pray. Thank you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Replace it with something good. If not, you're going to get into a big fight. Yep. Absolutely. And the devil wants you to fight when you leave church. So it says, see, this don't work. Here I come. Week and week and week. It gets so, and nothing's happening. Because you're not using any of the power. You're not understanding. At that time is when you're going to use it. It's application is that we conquer it. Amen? But you have to understand that when it comes in the spiritual warfare that we're all involved in here. Oh my goodness. How many of us honestly on your way to church get into a fight or start arguing? <laughs> yeah, right? We don't come together all the time for that reason. Oh, please. Because we already... Look, we have to understand the sin nature though. You have to understand that we have to deal with our sin nature until we go home to be with them. It's not going away. We have to learn how to master it and control it. That's what self-control is. The more control you give over to God of your life, the more self-control he gives you against your sin nature. But you're not giving him control. You're taking control again. As soon as you start arguing with somebody, you're taking control of it again. You're not giving it to God. You're keeping it. Can I get an amen for this? So how many of us fail? That's why he's full of grace, love, and mercy that begins afresh every morning. Amen. And listen, the more, we, the more we're aware of it, the more it's going to hurt and attack us. People of the world don't think they're doing anything wrong. No. They think they're right in everything they do. They think they deserve everything, they're entitled to everything. But it's not like that for us. We don't have the same kind. We're more accountable to God. He says, no, you're going to represent me now, not the devil. You're going to act in a way, a godly way, when they're ungodly to you. That's how you continue to grow. By the endurance is how we grow. I got one for us now. Go to James. <laughs> God is good, Amen. I'm saying, God, what, God was pinging this verse on my heart for like like three or four hours today. He says, yeah, that's because you're going to go share it. That's why. I said, okay. You ready? <laughs> Let me get both guns out. <laughs> Here it comes. Here comes the love guns right now. James chapter 1. Verse 19. This, this came to me so clearly today that I, could, I recited it without even reading it. 
That's how clear it was. I said, okay, that's what you're going to come. That's the message. You're going to share that tonight with these your, your brothers and sisters. Why? Because we forget. That's why. If God wouldn't call us sheep if we didn't forget. Think about it. Because you think of yourself like a sheep, right? Oh, I'm not like a sheep. What do you mean? Yes, you are. God calls us his little sheep. <laughs> sheep are pretty dumb. Unless they're guided, they'll go in the wrong direction. They'll jump right into the fence and get electrocuted. They will. They just don't know better. It's just like baby Christians don't know any better. They need to be guided. We do stupid things. We, we walk off the side of the cliff every day. <laughs> hate, you know what we hate? We hate admitting that we're babies. That's what it is. We always think that we're something somewhere that we're not. And God will send a situation to show you how far along you really are. And then you say, oops. I hope nobody saw that. All right, look at verse 19. Everybody with me so far? Oh, this is exciting. Understand this. Okay, so now we have to understand what he's saying here. Dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, like anxious to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Three things we always have trouble with. Those three things right there we all have trouble with. We're not quick to listen. We always got to speak before we listen. Right? He's saying, no, you got to be quick to speak. You cannot listen to something when you are speaking. Can you get any amen for this? Amen. So you have to what? Keep your mouth shut. Learn how to put a, a muzzle on. <laughs> you must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Look at verse 20. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So every time we get angry and we try to justify it, that is not the kind of anger that righteousness God desires. It's righteous anger. Here we go. How many people use, it's righteous anger. Stop it. You're just mad. You're just mad. You're angry. Because you're a sinner. That's why you're angry. Because you're doing something wrong. <laughs> Stop trying to justify it because you'll never be able to get away from it if you do. Verse 21. Now it says, look, human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. He's talking to saved people now. Get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it is the power to save your souls. What does it say? The power to save you from yourself. That's what he's trying to say here. You have to get rid of the evil and filth in your life. So all of us, he's not just talking to a few people here. All of us have filth and evil in our lives. Can I get an amen for this? Or somebody in here really going to be saying that they don't have any filth and evil in their lives? Or is this not for them then? Okay, good, thank you. If, he wouldn't tell us to get rid of it if we didn't have it. Amen. Right? So just admit it and humble yourself and say, look, I'm filthy and evil. Instead of saying, oh, I'm smart and I'm a good person. Hello, no, say, I'm filthy and evil. Without Jesus, I'm filthy and evil. Amen. Be truthful with someone. Don't say, oh, you're a good person. <laughs> Jesus, nobody's good, the Bible says. Nobody. You're all lying to yourself if you think that you're a good person without Jesus. You're a wretched sinner bound for hell. All of us are. You know, I, I think I ought to change the name of the ministry. Truth Lives Ministry. 
will set you free in ministry because I don't care if the chairs get filled. The truth is going to go out over here, and it's going to change your life. That's the only way it will if you come up against resistance. If not, you'll never change or challenged. Now it says in verse 22, don't just listen to God's word. How many of us listen to the daily walk today? You all heard it well, didn't you? Now I'm going to ask you question number two. How many did what it says? Oh, that's a different story, right? Oh, I can hear it really good. But did I do what it said to do? It says, don't just listen to the word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling who? Yourself. For if you just listen to the word and don't do what it says or obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. How, this is where religion comes in. How many Christians say, I read my word today, I'm good. No, did you do the word today? That's when you're good. Hearing it's nothing. It says you must listen to the word. If you're not, you're only fooling yourself, saying I got my time in with the Lord. I listened to the Bible today. No. What comes after that? Applying it. Exactly. He's equipping you for the day. The daily walk. What do you think it's... During the day, you want to walk like, like Christ? You listen to it, right? And then you walk in the way it's telling you to walk that day. Amen for this. And guess what? We're almost coming to the end of it again, right? And guess what? We all have the opportunity to get back in Genesis again and read it all over again. And now hopefully where we go, we jump. everybody else jumps on board too. Oh yeah, that's going to go out. We're going to read it again and again and again and again and again and again. All of it. Cover to cover. Now look what it says in verse 25. But, if you look carefully into the perfect law or into the word that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, how many of us, if I can ask you honestly what the daily walk was about today, are going to say, humana, 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 humana. I think it was, uh, it says right here, don't forget what you heard. Then God will bless you for doing it. See it? How many of us forget? I forget myself. I'm saying, wow. But I think, I said, wow, I'm glad I get, I get to hear myself again because sometimes I just don't have time to read it. So I plug it in on the way to work. I said, this is the best thing because when I go to work, it's like, as soon as I get out of my car, it's on. The devil's all over me, ready to make me mingle right in with that again. You know? So I got I to gotta be, I go to, I go to work for Jesus every morning. I say it, I ask him, come in, take over my mouth today, Lord. You control me today at work, not not me. It's the only way it's going to happen is if you ask, if you do it, if you ask for him and do it. It's not going to happen by osmosis. Have you not noticed? It's not a natural thing for us to just be the way God wants us to be. No, we have to choose to be that way. How about a big amen for that? Now look what it says in verse 26. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself. Here it is again. You're fooling yourself again. Religious. What's religious? I go to church. Faithfully every Sunday on Saturday. I read my Bible faithfully every day. I pray faithfully every day. But I can't keep my big mouth shut. It says you're only fooling yourself if you can't control your tongue from what you're reading. The Bible is the bridle to your sin nature and what comes out of your mouth. 
It's the word of God. So you're only fooling yourself and your religion, all this you're doing coming here is worthless. Can I get an amen for that? Thank you. How many people really bank on that? I come to church faithfully. I read my Bible and I pray. I'm good. No, that doesn't make you good. That informs you. As a matter of fact, it makes you more accountable is what it does. So when you start opening your mouth and spewing that, God's saying, you knew better. Why'd you do it? Because I wanted to. Tell the Lord, be honest with the Lord. Say, because I did it because I wanted to. And be honest with God. And confess to Him. Say, yeah, I acted that way and I retaliated and I got angry like that and I did that thing because I wanted to do it. I had a choice not to, but I chose to do it anyway, Lord. I'm sorry, Father, for I sinned against you and your ministry and your people. That's the way it's supposed to be. Repentance and confession. And that's what overpowers your sin nature. But if you just say, oh, God's grace covers it, well, then you're going to go do it again in a hoppy. You're going to have no conviction not to do it anymore. And you don't want to start, you don't want to be um, seared with a hot iron where your sins are not affecting you anymore, your conscience. You don't want that. That's a bad place to be. That's why you need to go to the right ministry that's teaching truth. That'll always convict you so your spirit will stay fresh and alive to stop doing it. Amen? Amen. That's all right. You came to the right place. Because I need to stop doing it just as much as you need to stop doing it. Now, look what it says. Pure, verse 27. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows. Now, does it mean just orphans and widows? No, it says for caring for people. Caring about other people besides yourself. That's what it means. That's genuine religion. <clears throat> in their distress. And what's the next one? Refusing to let the world corrupt you. That's when your religion, it means something. When you're actually thinking of others over yourself, and you're not letting that world get in this mind again to corrupt you anymore. That's when your religion is, is taking root of you. That's genuine religion. That's actually becoming something that you're learning. Can I get any men for that? That's a good trip, you huh? James is good. Oh, we'll be revisiting James again, too. Soon. Hint, hint. I'm going to start the air off with a bang. All right. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 28. Let's see if everybody remembers where we were. I know Mary does. I see. <laughs> yep. You were right. Okay. God promised the people blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience. He made a covenant with his people. He said, if you obey what I'm doing for you, everything will go well for you in your life and you'll always be on top. You'll never have to borrow. They'll always look to you. You won't have to look to them. But if you do not, curses will fall on you from generation to generation. And what do they choose to do? Let's go to verse. Uh, let's go to verse eleven. Okay. 
and the Lord will stand on the Lord will give you prosperity in the land he swore to give your your ancestors to give you blessing you with many children numerous livestock and abundant crops the Lord will send rain at the proper time from its rich treasury in the heavens it will bless all the work you do you will lend money to many you will lend to many nations but you will never need to borrow from them this in verse 12 his rich treasury in the heavens this metaphor describes the clouds that provide life-giving rain to the earth that's just what that means right there look at verse 13 if you listen to these commands of the Lord your God that I am giving you today, and if you carefully obey them, first you have to listen to them. That we just talked about, uh, James, has it changed? It hasn't changed because James said the exact same thing. First you have to listen, right, to the commands of God and how He wants you to live, and then you, and then if you carefully obey them, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. And you'll always be on top and never at the bottom. That still applies today, my brothers and sisters. You will still be on the top and never on the bottom. And the devil will never be able to get a hold of you if you do it the way God tells you. Can we blame it on anything else but our flesh? No, we can't blame it on the world, other people, or anything else. It all comes back to who? Us, glancing at our face in the mirror, see something wrong there, and ignoring it. James says it clearly. Deuteronomy says it 4,000 years ago. James said it 2,500 years ago or whatever. Same thing. Has not changed one bit. The blessings come to the believer who obeys and trusts God. And the curses come to disobedience still. You will live in torment. Don't think that God doesn't send the torment and spirit into you. He's the one who sends it. He sends it for a reason and a purpose. It's to evaluate where you are and understand why he's sending it. So you can what? Get cleansed of it and move forward. Amen? Amen? Don't blame it on anything else. You go before the Lord with it. Remember what he sent to Saul? He took away his Holy Spirit. And what did he send into him? A tormenting spirit. Why? Why did, why did God take that away from him? Because he was disobedient. Exactly. Does God take us out of heaven because of this? No. He does the same thing while we're here, though. You see, disobedience down here, you get the same kind of discipline from God. You get the torment in spirit. That doesn't take you out of heaven. See, Christians get it wrong. Your salvation is locked in. Nothing can change that. Your walk down here changes everything. You want to disobey? You're going to be tormented. You want to be like that. You'll have no joy in your life. Then you have to ask yourself, why am I so miserable? Look in the mirror. You're doing something against God. He's the one holding his hand against you, not anybody else. Don't blame anybody else but yourself. And this is how you get free of it. The next thing that comes after acknowledging it is what? Repenting of it and confessing it to God. Don't think those principles washed away in the new covenant. They haven't. They're still just as powerful today as they ever were. And you know what people do? They forget about that part. Well, God loves me and just forget about, no, that is still, the torment is still in the bank. Until you go before him and confess it to him, you're still going to be miserable and tormented. Because the Bible says, humble yourself before the Lord, right? 
Submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Now, it goes to the same. All right, so he's always on the top. And what he says in 13, the head and, the ta- and not the tail. If Israel obeyed the terms of the covenant, it would lead the nations and not be subject to them. Why does the church have no power today in the nation? Do you know why? Do you know why the church has no power in America today? Because of its disobedience. That's why. Because they don't live God's way. They're teaching false doctrine left and right. So God's not going to put any blessing on. He's not going to put any power in the church. The, po- the church is powerless right now in America. People don't even want to hear it. Because of disobedience and lack of self-control. Because why? Because churches just want to make money, so they keep telling you beautiful blessings that are coming, the blessings of Abraham. Everything's good. Don't worry about your sin, just like the false prophets were teaching in the Old Testament. So the place flocks up with people, they don't change and transform, and it's just like the synagogue of Satan. But we love Jesus. Lies. You honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. That's wrong. The church is away apostate right now. Just because there's a lot of people don't mean they're teaching truth. As a matter of fact, there was only eight people getting in the ark. Because all of them else were living lies. Okay. Are we getting this? This is good, healthy stuff for a Christian. It really is. That's why Deuteronomy is there. Jesus quoted Deuteronomy, right? When he was fighting the devil. Look at verse 14. He doesn't say you shouldn't. He says you must not turn away from any of the commands I'm giving you today. What is the commandment today? Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. You must not turn away from that at all. Or nor follow after other gods and worship them. What are other gods today? Do I have to name a few? Okay, I'll name a few. The supermarket God. The PJ Maxx God. I'm going to name a few, okay? The sports gods. Okay? All the, uh, all the other stuff that people admire on TV. The entertainment gods. That Christians worship when they're not in church. They know more about worldly stuff than they do about godly stuff. That's what he's talking about. And don't think that you're going to get blessed for doing it. You're not. Because all you're doing is covering problems by going there and doing it. Now, is there anything wrong with going shopping? No, you need to go to the market to get food. It's what the motive is. Why are you going there? Why are you going here? And why are you doing that? Are you trying to get relief from something? Instead of going to the Word of God and letting Him crucify your flesh. Saying, no, I'm going to the Word. I'm going to my Father. Get it? All of us are guilty of it, right? Thank God for His grace and mercy. Back then, there was none. Judgment. You ain't getting in the promised land. Guess what? You wake up tomorrow, you have a chance to be in the promised land while you're here. But guess what? You have to repent, get right with God, and get back in the game again. And confess. Or else what? You stay in the what? In Egypt. You get locked up in slavery again. And that's why religion, Jesus hated religion. Because people think going to church, putting money in the basket, and doing all these things is going to save them from that. It's not. It won't. 
Now, here we go right here. You must not turn away from any of the commands I'm giving you today, nor follow after other gods and worship them. Now, here it is right here. He told them first in the first scriptures about the blessings. Now, here comes the curses for disobedience. But, if you refuse to listen to the Lord your God, and do not obey all the commands and decrees I'm giving you today, all these curses will come and overwhelm you. You ready for this now? Your towns and your fields will be cursed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be cursed. If they look in verse 17, if they dis disobeyed the commands of the covenant, Israel could expect God to judge them with the curse of agricultural barrenness. That's what he's talking about right there. They're planting, but they get no harvest. Same with us. Your children and your crops will be cursed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be cursed. Whether you go, wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be cursed. Let me tell you something. That is scary stuff. If God sends a curse on your life because you're doing something wrong, don't blame the devil, it's God. If you're doing good things and you're getting cursed and the devil's attacking you is another thing. But if you're living your own way, a self-righteous life, wicked and sinful, the curse is coming from who? It's coming from God. Don't blame the devil. The devil don't have to come near you. You're cursing yourself. He don't have to bother with you. You're doing the wrong thing. He only bothers you when you're doing the right thing, the devil. When you're doing the wrong thing, you don't need him. <laughs> you are the devil. That's what it is. How many of us, honestly, I don't know how many times my wife says, that's the devil. She's talking to me. Because that's the devil. What's coming out of my mouth is from the devil. How many of us have said that to each other? It's not God, it's the devil. That's right. Because the devil comes in us and he takes over. Because why? Because we're disobedient. So God, as soon as you sin, you open the door for the devil. And the curse comes. Can I get any amen for this? If you don't develop a healthy fear of God, you'll never overcome. Never. You have to, be, you have, to have a healthy fear of God, what he's going to do to you, because he loves you so much down here. Don't think, it's not going to kick you out of heaven. Down here, you're going to be miserable, though. One miserable Christian. It's either... The two people on the plane, remember, I love this analogy, they're both going to Florida. One trusts the pilot, gets back in his chair, takes a nice long nap, lands safely. The other guy is looking out the window, wondering if the engine's going to conk out. The whole trip, he's like this, because he didn't trust the pilot, right? They both got the flower and a nice, the guy woke up, ah, nice and refreshed. The other guy's like this. <laughs> it's the same thing with your walk with the Lord. Either enjoy the trip, or you're going to have that all the way home. <laughs> that's that's because you don't trust the pilot who is God you're not trusting him with your life so you're like this oh my god what a day I had today instead of saying hallelujah God was with me all day it was successful see it all comes down <laughs> be honest how many of us still have days like that? Well, don't blame anybody but yourself. You're not trusting God. He's the one who's controlling you. No matter what, you can't change it by going like this. 
By the way, you can't change anything doing this. Wouldn't you just want to coast right to heaven? That's what he can, that's what he gives us. He gives us the ability to enjoy the trip while we're here till we go home with him. Now, the problem is we don't trust the pilot, the navigator of our soul and our life. And you can be honest with yourself, just coming to church does not do it. It's actually, you actually trust him when, when, the, when all hell's breaking loose and you're just stable. See, you know what? This is only a seat. This only, God's got this. Next. I'm, not, I'm out of here. It, it works. Trust me, it works. When you don't trust them, it doesn't work. And let me just give you a little heads up. It's not a feeling. God's not going to say, don't worry, you're going to feel me every day so you can be like this. No. If you don't trust me, that's what you're going to be because you're not going to feel it. It's not a feeling. The fact of the matter is he's in control of everything. <laughs> Everybody's liking that analogy, huh? Yeah. I better watch out. I better not do it on Sunday. People might leave. I throw something out. <laughs> this guy's nuts. Let's get out of here. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta work him. I gotta work him in first before I can get a little, a little humor in there. You know what I mean? They might have. They might be like that right now when they come in. <laughs> Loosen up. Jesus in the house. He wasn't like that. <laughs> All right. So we're enjoying tonight's Bible study, right? God didn't take away my personality. I'm going to use it. <laughs> Thank God there's no two of me around. <laughs> Broke the mold. One's enough. All right. <laughs> now look what it says, though. Look at verse 19. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you'll be cursed. you ever have a day when you go out and nothing goes right? Yes. Everything's bad? Yes. yes. What are you going to do? Blame, blame the devil? No, God's the one who did it. He's testing you. He's saying, do you trust me or don't you? Obviously, you're not trusting me. <laughs> and snapping at everybody like a snapping turtle. Right? Snapping at everybody. Look at verse 20. This is, when I read this, right, it opened my eyes so much. I'm saying, wow, yeah. I'm my own worst enemy. Yeah. Look what it says. The Lord himself will send on you curses, confusion, and frustration in everything you do until at last you are completely destroyed for doing evil and abandoning me. <clears throat> that is some reverent, that's scary stuff. What is it going to say? It will destroy your life if you live a sinful life after you get saved. It will destroy you. Who are we going to blame? Now look at verse 21. Here's another one that's scary. The Lord will afflict you with diseases until none of you are left in the land you're about to enter and occupy. Holy moly! You mean I can get sick down here because of my sins and disobedience? Yes! But that doesn't take me out of heaven. See, that doesn't take me out of heaven, but you can get sick and die because he was doing that to the Corinthians. Many of them were sick, right? Many of them went to sleep and they actually died 
because they were being disobedient. I think it's First uh, Corinthians 11. Remember at the Lord's Supper? See, many of you are sick. You wonder why everybody's sick and everybody's getting this and some of you are dying. <laughs> God is no joke. He's the one that infl- He's the one that can let the, the disease on you and he's the one that can cure you. It's all in his hands. You know that song, he's got the whole world in his hands. Literally, he does. Really, you can act yourself. I'm like a puppeteer. God's like, I'm his puppet. He doesn't have to explain anything to me. He can do whatever he wants with me and to me. Although he does his promises that he loves me. But he's not saying everything that you're gonna, um, everything's going to be fine for you. He says you're going to have to do... You, have you read the Bible, what happened to Paul? Have you read the Bible, what happened to the prophets? Have you read the Bible that happened to all the apostles that were following Jesus? Boy, for some reason, I don't see the blessings of Abraham falling on them and flowing down their lives, was it? No, many of them were homeless, shipwrecked. Paul was in prison more times than anything else. Nothing to eat. That's the living God. That's the real God of the Bible, my brothers and sisters. Jesus said, count the cost. You want to come to me and be my follower? Count the cost. It's going to cost you your life. Literally. <clears throat> what does everybody want? All, the, all this in heaven too. You know, I want everything that I used to have and I want to go to heaven. Joyful. Thank you. And God says, you're going to love one I hate the other. But I'm not going to tell you which one to choose. Mm-hmm. Choose to sin, choose to suffer. Mm-hmm. All right, the diseases that afflict or cling to Israel would be chronic, not releasing their hold <clears throat> until the whole nation had succumbed. That's what he's talking about in 21. Verse 22 The Lord will strike you with wasting diseases, fever, and inflammation, with scorching heat and drought. And with blight and mildew, these disasters will pursue you. When? Until you die. Now listen, he wasn't being mean. He was just being, excuse me, he was being honest with them. He was saying, listen, if you listen to what I'm telling you for your own good and obey me, things are going to be okay for you. But if you disobey me, this stuff is going to happen. And you know what? I'm going to pull my hand back and let it. And he does it to Christians today. How many of us, honestly, feel tormented still? Why? Should we? If we're feeling tormented, who sent the torment? The Lord sent the torment. Why? You're going to blame everybody else for it? Or are you going to blame that you're not trusting me? So all it comes down to, my brothers and sisters, a self-evaluation. Say, why am I getting tormented all the time? Why am I not joyful? <clears throat> why am I not singing zippity doo when I get in my car? Why am I not singing zippity doo when I go to church? Why am I not zippity doo at work or in line or at home with my husband, with my wife? How come I'm not zippity doo Because <clears throat> I'm not letting God control me. I'm letting my feelings and emotions control me <clears throat> and dictate the way I act. So there's no, there's none of that. There's no zippity doo right? 
I think his name was what? Uncle Remus? He was the one singing it, right? Song of the South, that was. Yeah, Song of the South. My, oh my, what a wonderful day. That was the name of the movie, Song of the South. Uncle Remus. You should watch it sometime. <laughs> What's that? That's right. Now, the Lord himself will send curses and confusion and frustration with diseases. And look at, look at 21. The Lord will afflict you with diseases until none of you are left in the land you are about to enter and occupy. The diseases afflict and cling to you. Look at 22. The Lord will strike you with wasting diseases, fever and inflammation, with scorching heat and drought, and with blight and mildew. Some scholars identify these symptoms with tuberculosis. That's what, he's, that's what they're relating it to, tuberculosis. <clears throat> the skies above, look at verse 23. The skies above will be as unyielding as bronze, and the earth beneath will be as hot as iron. In this graphic picture of drought and famine, the sky dams up the rain, making the earth hard and unfruitful. Imagine, God's the one who does that. He sends the drought and the famine. And he also sends the locusts and the pestilence. Just imagine, we're in Revelations now, right? When that happens, he's saying that we're going to be like, um, the locusts are going to be like scorpions with like stingers and all kinds of crazy stuff. And like, people are going to wish they were dead because no, God won't let them die. He just keeps stinging them in pain and suffering. Did you read it? It was in Revelations. That the people, the unbelievers, <clears throat> oh, they're going to get tormented. They're going to want to die, but God is not going to let them die. Suffer. I love you, Jesus. Thank you. <clears throat> everybody, everybody, we're in Revelations now, right? Yeah. That's some, some dang, there's some, dang, there's some stuff that's gonna happen. <clears throat> I'm like, oh, thank God, <clears throat> thank God, we're going to heaven. Yeah, because it says in verse 24, like he says. The Lord will change the rain that falls on your land into powder, and dust will pour down from the sky until you are destroyed. It's going to be like parched in the desert, just dust. You know that dusty? You know when you cut the grass on a dry day, and that sand comes up, and it just, it's nasty. It chokes you, right? That's what he's saying will happen. It'll be so dry, the ground cracks open, and all the dust will be in your face, no water, nothing. What a way to go until you're destroyed. In verse 24, the only thing even resembling rain would be the swirling dust that coats everything to suffocation. Wow. 25, the Lord will cause you to be defeated by your enemies. You will attack your enemies from one direction, but you will scatter from them in seven. You will be an object of horror to all the kingdoms of the earth. Remember before? He said the seven, we'd be complete. Nothing would happen to us. He said if you get the curse, you'll be running from them. In verse, um, yeah, the verse is reversing, in verse 25, this verse reversing the blessing of 28.7 that I just talked about back then. Israel will be forced to scatter from their enemies in seven directions, completely and totally. That means you're going to be completely destroyed. Look at verse 26. Your corpses will be food for all the scavenging birds and wild animals, and no one will be there to chase them away. The Lord will afflict you with boils of Egypt and with tumors, scurvy, and the itch. 
from which you cannot be cured. Oof. In verse 27, the boils of Egypt, Exodus 9, 8, 12. A plague of festering boils. Oof. Then, in verse 8, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, take handfuls of soot from the brick kiln and have Moses toss it into the air while Pharaoh watches. The ashes will spread like fine dust over the whole land of Egypt, causing festering boils to break out on people and animals throughout the land. That's what the boils were going to do. That's what he's relating it to. Tumors. In 1 Samuel 5 and 6, the Lord's heavy hand struck the people of Ashdod and the nearby villages with a plague of tumors. Scurvy, perhaps dermatitis. The itch is also symptomatic to dermatitis. How many of you are itchy all the time? Ooh. You ever get that itch? Oh, I get like, don't itch. One of my part of my legs itchy all the time. It's like, wow, I can't believe it. It's like, yeah. I'm digging it. It starts to bleed. Yeah. He's saying over your whole body. Just imagine your whole body itchy and you can't scratch it. You know, on the back and that you can't reach it. Yeah. Everywhere. He's talking, this is the stuff that's going to happen. He said, look, all you have to do is obey me and none of it's going to happen. What did they choose to do? <laughs> Disobey him. So they're blaming God for doing it to him. He said, no, I gave you an option. <clears throat> all right, let's keep going. We're almost done here. 28, the Lord will strike you with madness, blindness, and panic. You will grope around in broad daylight like a blind person groping in the darkness, but you will not find your way, and you will be oppressed and robbed continually, and no one will come to save you. Look at verse 30, you will be engaged to a woman, but another man will sleep with her. You will build a house, but someone else will live in it. <clears throat> wow. You will plant a vineyard, but you will never enjoy its fruit. Your ox will be butchered before your eyes, but you will not eat a single bite of meat. Your donkey will be taken from you, never to be returned. Your sheep and goats will be given to your enemies, and none and no one will be there to help you. Oh my God. There's only a couple more verses, I'm going to close. We're watching your daughters. Look at it says in verse um, 32. You will watch as your sons and daughters are taken away as slaves. Your heart will break for them, but you won't be able to help them. For a former nation you have never heard about will eat the crops you work so hard to grow. You will suffer under constant oppression and harsh treatment. You will go mad because of all the tragedy you see around you. The Lord will cover your knees and legs with incurable boils. In fact, you will be covered from head to foot. The Lord will exile you and your king to a nation unknown and to your ancestors. There in exile you will worship gods of wood and stone. All right, that's the last verse we're going to go to, but I just want to explain, exile you. This prediction had two major fulfillments in Old Testament times. <clears throat> the Assyrian exile in Samaria in 722 B.C. and the Babylonian conquest and exile of Jerusalem in 586 B.C. That all came to pass. And all of that happened, and God said it wouldn't happen, but they did. They chose to do it the wrong way, and God, God doesn't lie. All right, we're going to close there. David, you want to come up and close us in prayer? And we'll continue when we get back together again. It's not done yet. Painful one. <laughs> we bow our heads. Lord God, thank you for the opportunity to come listen to your word tonight. Thank you for constantly putting yourself first in our lives. Thank you for helping us grow and understand you. 
I just pray that we constantly just understand the truth of your message and not get caught up in the world and the idols that are out there, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you for constantly protecting us. And I just pray that this ministry continue to be blessed. And I say these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks, David.